This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. When you're trying to keep your pre-owned lot stocked with high-quality, in-demand vehicles, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Plus, you always risk having your price bid up by competing dealers. With Van, you go straight to the source, acquiring pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers in your target market. The Vehicle Acquisition Network saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area. Find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. For more information, text buy with van to 64600 or go to autoconverse.com forward slash V-A-N. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So folks, welcome to today's webcast. I am Ryan Girardi. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Today is Thursday, July 11th, and I hope everyone's summer is off to a great start. I know mine is. It was a rough spring here in Chicago, but it's been pretty nice. Uh, You're here at our monthly used car marketing dealer strategy session. So the idea here, we've been doing this since the beginning of the year, and we get together on the first Thursday of every month, and we invite uh, those that are passionate about the used car business, whether you're on the dealer side or the consulting side or the vendor side, you're welcome to be here as a participant, uh, meaning you can join like a traditional webinar and just listen. You, there's a Q&A. You can, you can chat with us. If you want to be on the panel, let us know. Let me know ahead of time. Let me know while you're here. We can bring you in as part of the discussion. What I have lined up for today is mostly around the, the shift that we've seen in auctions uh, going from traditional physical auctions to, to, uh, to online auctions. And so I have a great lineup of panelists that are going to be joining us uh, here. So starting with, let me go ahead and introduce everybody. We have Stu Zalad from ACV Auctions. How are you doing today, Stu? Great, Ryan. How are you? Good, thank you. And I just discovered that when I say ACV too fast, it brings up Siri. <laughs> gotta love that uh michael pochan from ai tech how you doing michael great great to have you here this is your first time joining us i appreciate that uh chuck parker automotive yes. digest Down here. you're from where'd you say you are in huntington beach right manhattan beach manhattan beach all right right enough. we Good regard time. ourselves as being somewhat more elite than huntington <laughs> a little rivalry there, huh? That's true. Yeah. Uh, and David Long, great to have you back here as well. Thanks, Ryan. Good to be here. And tell us, tell us about your background because it's uh, I, I think you got us all beat today. So I feel bad for you guys that are stuck in offices. I'm out at the lake doing some fishing with my 14-year-old in the background there uh, and just enjoying nature. Glad to be here. Well, good. So here's what we'll do. Um, 
a couple of things. If this is your first time here, folks, uh, welcome. It's great to have you here either live, maybe you're watching the video replay, maybe you're listening on the podcast. Uh, podcast comes out about a week after we, we record. This is pretty much a live recording session. We keep it to about 30 minutes. Uh, and like I said, you can participate in any way, shape, or form. So gentlemen, let's get into the thick of things here. I like to start off getting into kind of the marketplace. Uh, from what I saw, new car sales seem to be ahead of projected forecasts. Uh, Chuck, I, I imagine you keep a good pulse on, on, on SAR, both on, at least on new, don't you? Not so much anymore uh, because we're primarily focusing on futures. Um, so yeah, we, we watch the used car, we watch the new car market primarily in the context of disruption, which is maybe something we can talk about a little bit later on. Uh, we see, um, some very significant developments occurring in the marketplace that's going to change in the next three to five years. <laughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. So new cars is a part of that. Definitely. Well then Stu, let me turn to you as sure. far as you know, just sales forecasts go. I mean, it, every month, right? Everyone's looking at, at where volume where volume is. Uh, yeah, the SARS seems to be hanging in there at around 17 million, which, you know, remember we were up at that 19 million number a few years ago. So it's off a couple million cars over in, a, in the last probably three years. 17 million is still a robust number. Um, but it's down probably 400,000 from last year. I think, I think, I think last year ended at about 17.4, 17.5. So if it annualizes and stays at about where it is through June, it'll come in, you know, the experts and I'm not one, but the experts say 17 is the number. So if it's 16.9, 17.1, whatever it is, it's reasonable, but, but Ryan, it is, it is compressing. There's no question about it. And the inventory levels that are sitting on in, in the day supply has gone up dramatically on all dealers' lots in terms of new inventory. And when we get into the disruption, as Chuck alluded to, you know, I've seen forecasts that that project uh, new car sales to drop down into 13 or 14 million within the next three years, which is kind of a, a frightening, uh, pos, you know, consideration. A lot of speculation around that. But thinking about how all this translates into the used car business, uh, from what I understand, it looks like prices right now on used cars are actually spiking. Are you seeing that, Stu? Yeah, we are. I mean, the, the, the bid activity and the bid level on, on stuff, and our stuff is all real time. So, I mean, our data is probably as accurate as anybody's because these, you know, our business is conducted all day, every day. And, uh, we are seeing, I mean, our trend, our transactional prices continue to go up a little bit. Um, part of that is, is the growth of the company and the mix of inventory that we're attracting. But, but I would tell you, yes, the, the, the transactional price of a used car is, is, is rising significantly. It, but the new car side of it is rising, is, is rising more rapidly than the used, so the spread between new and used has has the gap has gotten wider, making that used car more attractive to John Q public because of transaction pricing and cost and portability. I mean that's what see what seems to be happening. That from what I can tell, talking to people that are involved, um, 
there, there's an affordability issue out there. And I think everything you read and, and, and Chuck, you can support this and I'm sure Dave and Mike will as well. I mean, it just, people cannot, it's, it's hard to afford some of the new product that's out there when trucks are 70 and $80,000, you know? Agree. David, what can, what can you add to that? I got to send a tweet out, but I'd love to kind of hear your response to that. So what was coming up for me when I was listening to the other gentlemen speak is <clears throat> really on the new car side, the dealer with the best inventory wins. And I think uh, what I'm seeing, especially after just getting done running a large dealer group, is the weight of inventory is an absolute crusher on the profitability side. So being all things to all people is a bad play in this economy. So having a tight inventory, using a tool like Conquest to make sure every time you do make a trade or every time you do get an allocation, you get exactly what the market's demanding is the game changer. And that's not a paid for announcement. That is an absolute fact. And Michael, you brought that up in your, in your, in what you shared uh, on automotive digest, you know, just the ongoing challenge for uh, dealers to acquire the cars that, that, that they know their customers want. And then you know, with, jacked up prices right now and razor thin margins, getting them affordably. That seems to be the real crux right now is getting the cars your customers want in a profitable manner. Right. But what drove this was I was listening to a radio show that had a local used car fellow on and he's a, he's pretty creative and does okay. He's the one that enlightened me to the fact that Mannheim's uh, volume across their traditional block had been, was down by 40%. Right. And so I said, well, if that's down by 40% and we're still selling, you know, 41 million used cars a year, where did it go? And obviously ACV got some of it from what I gather. Uh, Mercedes Benz is selling them direct on their own. And then you have eBay, which takes now 10% of that used car market. So uh, I'm more focused on the eBay side where you know it's uh ebay was a disruptor and are they disrupting this used car marketplace uh the other thing is you know sitting here i serve the this industry but i'm sitting in the uh capital of the ai belt um pittsburgh um you know it's not the, by far it's not the rust belt anymore the former it's the AI belt. We have Argo AI, we have Aurora, we have Uber. They're all here with AI having these cars drive around on their own. Um, you go down in one part of Pittsburgh, you'll see five cars drive by that are self-driving. But the point is the disruption that I think's coming, and I find this interesting, it's going to disrupt ACV because I listen to what ACV does and how people intensive it is. And I can assure you somebody's going to come up with a robot that's going to run around those cars, take all the photos, scan them, do recognition on everything, and it'll have a value and a condition of that car at probably one one-hundredth of the cost of the people that they have to put on that. And uh, that's what I would put forth in this. Uh, and understanding that I'm around this every day with these crazy disruptions. And that's why Chuck started his disruptor thing 
is I feed him what's coming out uh, of Carnegie Mellon and all the AI places here. But, um, you know, Walmart has a robot that goes around and looks at things. I think the same thing for used cars. No reason for any people. Just let the robots look at the cars, send the data, and so, there you go. Let's do this, Michael. I, that's a great point. I like the edginess of it. Um, you mentioned ACV being disrupted. So, Stu, I want to hear you retort to that. Um, I'm sure there's some truth to that, and you probably, you guys probably think about this. You're probably trying to find ways we, to we, be we more efficient. All the time. I mean, we, we're looking at compressing the time and the, and the manpower all the time. Um, and I, I would tell you that, that, that part, of, part of what the company is doing right now is spending a lot of money, Mike uh, and, and Dave and, and the audience and Chuck and everybody, Brian, we're spending an awful lot of our resources on research and development on all sorts of ideas, not just not just the inspection side of it, but how can that inspection even be more transparent than it currently is? You know, how can how can the specs of 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 the vehicle be be measured? And that has to be done by by a machine or by by artificial intelligence. We just introduced in April sound on every one of our auctions and what i mean by that is every buyer there's a there's a there's an audio button it's called amp uh, and and every every auction has a button on it and there's a 30 second uh 15% rev and 30% rev of every engine and that's important because a, a sophisticated buyer can maybe hear something that a vehicle inspector that 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 might not be as sophisticated ears, but here's the best part of that. If we're doing, if we're doing over 19,000 cars, we're inspecting over 40,000 cars and that artificial intelligence is being collected on every one of those engines. And there will become a bandwidth of normalcy for almost every engine over time and not too long based on our volume. And then we can utilize that to, to help both buyers and sellers identify cars that potentially might have problems. So it's, it's kind of a win-win. Um, and if, they, if the robots get built, I guarantee ACV is probably the first buyer. Um, you know, we'll probably have to put them in a car with a territory manager or a vehicle inspector and drive them to the spot. So we'll, we'll get them walking around those cars as fast as we can. I like that. David, you're a people guy at heart. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on uh, that, that kind of a prediction, if you will. So I go back to what Stu said before the call started, that ACV is a tech company that uh, is selling cars. That's how I've always operated <clears throat> any business I've run, is we are a tech-first industry, I believe, with a heavy emphasis on human connection on the retail side. Um, talking to Ernie Garcia and watching Carvana, there's a segment of the market that's going to always gravitate towards that, but there's also a a healthy share of the market based on everything I've studied that will continue to want that high touch experience, especially when you look at digital retail. I don't know if anybody's tried to buy a car digitally. Uh, it's not as easy or as seamless as one would think it would be at this point. But I believe there's a lot of human factor involved in where we are and where we're going. And this comes up all the time when we talk about acquisition particularly buying from private sellers, uh, that human interaction, that trust, that letting, you know, letting the, uh, 
the seller realize the value of their car versus telling them what it is, uh, that, that human interaction is, is a significant part. So Michael, I love the comment. I mean, it, it's the type of stuff we got to all be thinking about is where does tech come into play? And, you know, the truth of the matter is AI is, is behind a lot of the tech now with the data, uh, the, the market analysis and all that. So, uh, that is, it, it already is a, a significant part. Just a short um, example. Um, the, um, his comment about listening to the exhaust and such, or the engine, the voice, the same thing that does voice recognition <clears throat> can do that right now. And they could be capturing that and processing it, you know, and then build. It's one thing for sure that he said, the future value for ACV will be in the data having the massive amounts of data, which AI and machine learning have to have. Yeah. So that's a good thing. And having it with a a better vehicle description also helps dramatically, you know, adding more transparency, more touch points into that, into that condition report. That's been the big problem with the physical sales. I, I mean, not, not the big problem, but one of the problems with the physical sales is there's no uniformity in those condition reports and, and, they're, they're done all manually, and they're not very deep, but they, they vary so greatly. I mean, I hear it time and time again from people who convert from the physical side to a more digital approach that we have or a more live approach, right, is your reports are so accurate compared to what I'm used to dealing with. You know, I take a car to, to one sale, and it's a 3.6. I take it to the next sale, and it's a 2.9. And by the way, the same car with a good seller might be a, a, a three six or a three eight, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean that that's part of that's part of the the human side of it, the bad part of the human side of it. But correct, David. David, human humans. This is a people business that always will be, and people will play a part in it. To Michael's point, yeah, I mean there's going to be some change and some elimination, and certainly some more more opportunities to to become more automated and more streamlined, but it's still going to, it's still going to revolve around, about around people to some degree. Um, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I like it. So about two thirds into this, what I'd like to do is I've got some, uh, I've got some input here from, from some of our listeners. Um, and, uh, one of our viewers chimed in with, um, uh, it's a lot here, but let me just look at it here. It's trend in the next few years. It says wholesalers, a uh, big part of sales at the traditional auction comes from wholesalers. Their numbers have been low and uh, is affecting the sales lane. But they're going to continue to see more difficulties, and he lists a few reasons why. So, Michael, maybe you can re- uh, respond to this. One of those is higher interest rates, fewer cars sold, uh, increase in the used vehicle market with new car sales dropping. Um, one is uh, a lowering pride of ownership among younger people. So that's increasing ride share, which I think there's a lot of speculation about that. Uh, another point here is that the number of buying services that are available, ACV is mentioned in there, uh, and then an increase of peer-to-peer sales. I definitely agree with that last one, working backwards. Peer-to-peer sales definitely um, – will take apart the wholesalers because the wholesalers are just intermediaries. And if they're not really adding any value and I, and not if you remember, but peer to peer started with music 
it's like, why do I need a record store and all this if I can just get the music from my peers or whatever? And uh, yeah, definitely the wholesalers, if they're not adding a lot of value, then most likely they'll be pushed out of the equation. Chuck, you, I know you're always thinking about disruption and, and, you know, future stuff. What about the point that um, the viewer made about uh, ownership, about, you know, declining pride in ownership and increase in ride share? Well, the uh, migration, I guess, of not only the tracking that we do with the disruptors, but my observations of the industry is that uh, there are massive disruptions occurring more rapidly than we perhaps realize. I do not want to be a bomb thrower or anything like that as an alarmist, although I probably am a borderline communist of some kind, in that I really think that the entire business model, gentlemen, the entire business model of the used car business, and for that matter, dealers in general, is in great peril. Now, this is a subject for another time, and getting back to what's happening now is I am really impressed and pleased at, at what ACV is doing. I'm impressed as what uh, happens on, you know, on eBay, and in general, the resilience of what you and I used to call remarketing. Uh, however, quickly, I see the point where we're going to get to the point where we have no inventory. We don't call ourselves dealers anymore. And so there are some infrastructure changes, that's what I'm alluding to, that I see coming that I think the industry has to address. And maybe, Ryan, that's a subject for another day. But that's kind of my, uh, you know, my, my take on it. Uh, right now, I think that there are things going on in the marketplace that we have yet to really measure and understand. And I think dialogue like this begins to surface some of those things. But again, I think we're just on the surface of it, and we really don't know what's going on with these consumers, particularly in these millennials. And how people move about is a whole new market segment for us entirely. I, I, I appreciate that because the way I, I say this a lot, the challenge that a, a, a dealer, which I've over the past couple of years really consciously referred to dealers as auto retailers, and they're really becoming distribution points. They're, they're just distribution. Uh, for, you know, because it could be new cars, could be used cars, could be a wholesale, could be fleet, could be rideshare. And I see dealers are now are already getting involved with rideshare and subscriptions. So they're, they're distribution centers. They're customer-centric, right? That's where the actual transaction occurs. So I would say the challenge dealers have is they got to be thinking about the long term, right? All this disruption and that's, that's occurring and these tipping points that are mirages really down the road. But they also have to focus, especially the franchise dealer, on today. They can't keep, they can't take their eye off the ball. The OEM mandated 30 day cycle. That's, they're just stuck in that. So that's a grave challenge. And that's why I say, Hey, we have to have these conversations because what, you know, what can a dealer take away uh, from a conversation like this? And I think it's a matter of keeping an eye on the markets, 
obviously I think most dealers and, and those in the industry are, are good about keeping an eye on the markets, but then looking at trends. <clears throat> a big trend here, as Michael brought out, is the shift in where auctions and wholesales are going. Um, David, you might want to respond to that, so I'll open the floor to you. No, my mind was somewhere else, Ryan, when I, and I'll just briefly touch on it. When I think about auctions and I think about sourcing and where to get cars, it still is mind-boggling to me how many dealers there are that step over um, private party purchases. You know, the last two buy centers, I had the benefit of setting up. One generated $4 million worth of private party retail gross that the company would have never seen. And that's in one year. And if we measure our used car business and business units and we look at the amount of gross profit generated on auction purchases relative to trade efficiency, relative to private party, relative to a couple other sources that are out there, I don't think there's one source that can compete with private party purchases when done right. So well, that's and, a big and, deal. And to that point, to that point, Dave, and, and to Michael, Michael's point, you know, that's why eBay becomes such a good source as well for sourcing inventory for people. You know, it's similar to ACV in that respect, but the, most of those cars, not all of them, but most of them are, are privately owned that are posted up there. A good portion of them are. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good way, convenient way to, to, uh, to source some inventory. And I think a dealer today, if he's going to be successful, He's got to think about three things. One, to Chuck's point, he's got to he's got to step out of his comfort level at, at some point. And not everything you try is going to work. But if you're not willing to step out of that, I've done it this way, you're never going to win. That's number one. And and number two, um, you really have to focus your business today on on pre-owned or the used part of your business, even though those margins are compressing and 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 you have to look at ways to do it more efficiently, i.e a company like where I'm employed, ACV. Um, and then you have to concentrate on the fixed operations that you and your customer base that you built. If you do the, the new car side of this business, uh, to Ryan's point, it's, it's really different. It's really an inventory. They, they, they've compressed the margins to a, to a level that, that it's almost impossible to make profit on the front end and you're chasing that back end money that they've all put out there. It's kind of like, you know, the drug dealer who says, here, try the cocaine, you'll like it, right? So the next thing you know, you're hooked on cocaine. That's what the OEMs have been successful in doing. And it's great for their model because it creates more, more need to buy inventory. But somewhere that tipping point hits. And I think we're very close to that right now. While you were talking, Stu, uh, somebody chimed in saying they, they believe auctions will always exist. I think he's referring to traditional, but they won't flourish like they once did. <clears throat> And this is interesting. I never realized this. He says another factor that's affecting them is that auctions have become loose with allowing uh, retail buyers access to their sites. Yeah. The badge can walk in and some dealers actually take their customers to the auction and let them bid on a car for a small fee. Mm. Is that something, I mean, Michael, I mean, is that something you see in auctions? It must be. Oh, just coming from my side of uh, looking at it as a business model. Again, the the wholesale auctions are an intermediary 
that have been a protected species, right? Just like the dealers. And so, yeah, if somebody wants to go buy a car from that same auction, why not? What's the big uh, secret? Oh, well, we have to have an intermediary and then a, like a used car lot to go to. And that, that's the point right now, which is no, we don't. Don't auctions realize this? Can't they adapt? And I mean, obviously, we have online auctions. We have the ACVs out there, the trade revs. But I mean, what can the physical auctions do at this point? Can they adapt? Can they transform or are they just kind of stuck? My personal thought, I think they're kind of stuck in the middle right now. Um, you know, they've, they've lived, they've also, they've also enjoyed a tremendous <laughs> amount of, of factory and, and rental car participation to run their businesses, but, but they've had to give that away. I mean, they've lost their margin on those cars that they used to probably enjoy to a much greater degree. There was more loyalty to go to to a particular sale and run enterprise cars. That that's all gone. Enterprise has their their own retail lots. Enterprise is now using sites like ours because we'll come do the car inspection and the car never moves. So there's a lot less there's less time involved. You can the cash flow improves. It's it's just it's part of life. They, I agree with your your uh, your your right comment, um, Ryan about. Yeah, there, there's always going to be physical auctions. Are they going to look like they do now? The biggest problem I think that they face right now is the amount of real estate and asphalt that they own and where those are located and how those are situated. I mean, if you wanted to get out of a particular spot and location, number one, they're not in the most ideal parts in most towns where they're located because they're in less expensive real estate areas. Yeah, more remote industrial areas. Yes, and they're and they're, and they're single-purpose type buildings. So to cash out, other than just write it off, I, I think the ability for them to exit a particular spot and location is somewhat difficult. Um, I don't know what they do, but but you know the two big players have a lot of capital. The independent guys, if you think about it, and all of us on this call are are, are old enough, with maybe with the exception of Ryan, uh, to, to and me. To remember, well, and David, yeah, yeah, but you get a haircut. But but think about this: when we all started, the independents had probably, and I don't know the number, but I'm just going to guess and say about half the auction business out there were owned by independent operators. And now today, you know, seventy percent of of the auctions are owned by two corporations, and <clears throat> and and that's that's a huge shift because again, the the, the independent guy was far more able to, to pivot and do the, and do stuff to make it right. It was much easier for the buyer or the seller to get an issue resolved when you were talking to the owner of that sale. Now you're talking to corporate America and it's, it's far more difficult and the rules and regulations have become more strict, right? Black and white. And I, think that, I think that's a big, a big factor that's, that's driven companies like ACV Trade Rev, which is owned by one of those big companies, but it's still a mobile, it's still a, uh, a digital solution. But that's how Smart Auction sort of started. That's how that's how you know Mannheim started OVE, um, and eBay became part of a player, right? Right. If any of the auctions will be able to pivot and keep up, I really believe Odessa will. I know the leadership team. I think uh, they have the bandwidth and the wherewithal to make the shift. 
Uh, I'm not sure about the others, but I believe they'll be able to keep up. Yeah, and and the, and the comments coming out of their leadership are far more focused on on the future than they are on 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 other issues. They 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 they, they seem to be looking farther ahead than others. Um, they, they're not without problems, and and obviously. Um, Everybody has them, but it's how you fix them and how you address them. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Chuck, I'm real curious what uh, what you're thinking right now. Well, I every day I find, see, pick up, and capture uh, indications that there is an evolving business model here. And I, three years ago, I elected to call it a total transportation management system. And I said to the world, if I were AutoNation, if I were a dealer, I would adopt this strategy immediately. And my promise to you would be that for the rest of your life, you'll never have to hassle with the management of your vehicle again and how you move about. So that's basically where I find myself coming. And I probably am very vulnerable to input that support that strategy. I do, I do see everybody from even ACV, Trade Rev, good old Odessa, and others, and of course Carvana, migrating towards that. More and more and more, they're becoming more of a full service organization. Obviously, my last comment is, I think we should stop using the word sell. I think we should stop using the word inventory. We should not have any inventory anymore. And we should stop calling ourselves dealers. Now that's totally off the wall and out there, but it's part of a basic strategy, which I think by 2025, five years, gentlemen, we're going to see 50 companies in this country managing most of the vehicles that are on the road in one way, shape or form, and I mean totally. The whole buy-sell concept is only a part of it. I'm looking for somebody that enables me to move around and move about in an efficient way. I, and if I can't afford a car, then I've got to have an alternative. And why not have the infrastructure that's in place now called a dealership change this whole business model immediately? I would even form a, consor a consortium of, of all the guys like you and deal with this problem immediately because I almost regard it as being some kind of a crisis. Okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> well, definitely food for thought. A little bit radical. Not too much. Um, I like that, though. I like that. Um, so we're going to wrap this up. By the way, this whole time, remember about a half hour, I said I'm going to send out a tweet. Talk about disruption. Uh, Twitter's been down this whole time. <laughs> wow. So... Uh, they're probably, I think that's from a post that you made earlier, right? I got, maybe yeah. I got myself banned from the banned from Twitter. Um, <laughs> so why don't we all think about this? And for those that are tuned in listening and, and, uh, that have chimed in, thank you for, for throwing in your, your questions. Thanks to uh, Marty and Clint as well, who, uh, gave us some input leading up to today. Uh, <clears throat> Marty, if you're here, I think you might be, uh, I'm glad you, glad you're able to make it. Why don't we think about this is, you know, what's, where do we go next? Last month, uh, kind of in contrast, I was solo 
and I've talked about depreciation um, and the black book index, retention rates going down, depreciation going up, retention rates going down. Uh, Carvana, I tell you, when I look at the numbers of Carvana, um, they're in the big leagues and it doesn't seem like that's going to stop. So, you know, I think they are a regular part of this conversation. Uh, and, and the they other players, cars from us, Ryan, they do. Yeah. They do. And, and they're just going to have to keep, you know, uh, Chuck, you even said 50 companies are going to own everything. Well, Carvana might be one of those 50 companies that are out there. So, um, a lot, lots to think about here, but yeah, let's figure out where we need to take things next. David, I think I'm hearing from you is if you want to keep your eye on, on the, the long-term and the short-term, you got to focus on your acquisition and nothing beats buying from private sellers. I think that's what I hear from you. You are correct. Nothing. And then Stu, you know, ACV has got some neat stuff. I love the live auction feature that you talk about. So, you know, those are some features, if you will, some customer centric features that uh, I think disrupt, they change they change the used car experience. Well, it does. And, and, and you know, to, to go along with David, it, 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 it's, it's all about acquisition. And, and when you put a car up on a live appraisal, which is the ability of, of a dealer to actually run a customer's car on our platform as he's trying to put a deal together, um, it proves to the customer what the real wholesale market is for that car. If there's a discrepancy between what the customer believes it's worth and what the dealership thinks it's worth. And quite often, the dealer's surprised by how much money the car does bring, and that then he can better the deal that he was going to make with the customer. We're getting a lot, Ryan, to your point, we're getting an awful lot of dealers that are using that for a couple of reasons. One, to make more deals. And number two, it, they, they're using it to promote, to, to promote free appraisals and to drive traffic to their stores on weekends and, and other busy times. And it seems to be working very well. Um, and then the dealer has three days after after the auction ends to either sell it to the high bidder or or not. And everybody bidding on the car, it's identified as a live appraisal as opposed to being an auction car. But it's another source for somebody looking to buy inventory. And flip side of it is from somebody trying to to put a car deal together, it, it quite often helps do that. So yeah, it's a pretty neat feature. Very cool. So I'm going to wind this down. Michael, uh, extra thanks to you for kind of laying up the, the conversation today. Uh, I, I kind of mentioned when we got four of us and, and actually five with me, uh, it, you know, it goes fast. So thank you, Michael, for setting that up. Can I have a final comment? Yeah, please do. A closing comment. If everybody believes that these cars are going to be able to drive themselves, then they might as well be able to sell themselves. So, just food for thought. This is food for it's thought. It's so good that they're going to drive themselves, and they might as well sell themselves too. There you go. <laughs> Get those robots, right? <laughs> well, maybe that'll be a, a good talking point for next time. Chuck, thanks for uh, for introducing Michael to us, and David and Stu. Thanks again for being here. It's always great to have you. You're welcome. Great, great to meet you guys, Stu. Great to see you again, and yeah, I hope good you all to see have you a great again. have a great weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks. So hang tight there, guys. What I'm going to do is share my screen and just do a quick wind down. So folks, if you're listening to the replay, maybe you're on the podcast, like I said, we do this the first Thursday of every month. What you want to do is get subscribed to autoconverse.com. Uh, then when we when we set up the next session, which is usually about a week or two prior, uh, you'll get an email 
uh, with the subject matter, and you'll have a chance to uh, post your comments and your thoughts down below. Uh, like I see, got Marty here. Thank you, Marty, for doing that. Um, and that way we can bring that up on the show. If you're a YouTube subscriber, then you can set yourself a reminder right there in the post with YouTube. And then look underneath there is a link, my apologies, right to here. You can sign up to participate. What that'll do is it'll bring you over to here and you can register with the series. This is a one-time registration. So once you register, then you'll automatically receive an invite from Zoom to participate on the webinar. Um, and of course, you can watch it on YouTube. Now, something new is uh, we auto-archive the live stream once it ends, which means unless you have the link, uh, you, you won't be able to see the recording. You can't make every event. I get that. So by signing up, we'll be able to send you the link. I'll give you a little secret. The links will always be up here on this page as well. You can always go back to this page. There's a link to the, uh, there's a link to the playlist on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Turn on the bell, for, uh, the bell icon for notifications. There's a Facebook event where we update you there as well. So if you're into Facebook, you'll get notified there. And a new feature we've introduced is our used car marketing channel and our Slack network. Uh, and by registering, you'll automatically receive an invite to join our new Slack network uh, here, and you'll join the used car marketing channel that's in there. That'll basically give us all an asynchronous place to communicate around the, new, the used car business. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take us offline. Thank you again, gentlemen. Thank you for those tuning in. Ryan Girardi here, and thanks to our sponsor, Vehicle Acquisition Network, for bringing this all together. Take care, everyone. This is Autoburst Media.